Hello and welcome to the Formula Scout podcast. My guest this week is David Malukas. David steps up to IndyCar after an impressive Indy Lights campaign where he nearly, nearly toppled Carl Kirkwood to, to snatch the crown. He'll be racing with Delcoin Racing with HMD Motorsports in 2022. I caught up with him a couple of months ago to chat about, well, pretty much everything from, from IndyCar to um, representing Lithuania on the on the big stage in the States and plenty more. David Malukas, welcome along to the show. Um, first time we've had you on. Uh, you've had a little bit of time now between uh, the Mid-Ohio round and, and today. Uh, you're at a top secret location, which I can't even uh, know myself. So just generally, how is it going and how has it been over the past uh, week and a bit or so? Yeah, no, I mean, it's been great. You know, we've had a... Uh different conversations in different places, but all in all, it's kind of just been a relaxation, a break from, from the off season uh, or from the season itself. And, you know, I, I've just been enjoying it, you know, being at work and kind of just relaxing it all in all, but nothing's just happened uh, within the week, just kind of settling down from the, the, the quick season that we had. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. It, it's always very frenetic, the, the, the road to windy seasons, but um, I, I guess now's a good time to really to, to talk about the season you just had because, um, well, you were bloody quick this year, um, to, to say the least. Um, you very much hit the ground running as well. Uh, you, you know, you you hit victory lane for the first time in, in Indy Lights pretty much straight away. So do you, did you sort of expect that sort of performance coming into the year? Well, I'd say 50-50, mainly because 2020, um, we did have that one practice session in St. Pete, and that kind of was a bit of a giveaway uh, to show the speed that we had, because we did end up putting it on, on first there. And I, I tried my best uh, after they canceled it, if I could get the 2020 champion tro- trophy, <laughs> just because I, I was the quickest in the one session we had. But uh, yeah, so going into 2021, it, it was kind of being the same star. And uh, from there, I think we, we set our goals and expectations quite far at the top there um but going in it was from my side i wasn't expecting to be that quick from what we had in 2019 but with the team sort of things i i I think we we knew that we were going to be quick just from the team that we had was stellar and everybody is just on point here yeah yeah certainly and like you say you you were quick very very much immediately you took a win at barber but it wasn't an overly straightforward weekend um especially with the with the first race so you were very much on the back foot in in terms of the points right from the off but um how important was it to to bounce back from from that particular race um and come come out with a win really to pick up some momentum straight away well that first race it, it didn't really hit us too hard just because we knew that we were really quick there and we knew that i think going into the future that we were going to be quick so and our expectations still weren't really high at the time. So I was just still very happy to be where we were. Uh, and actually that the first uh, incident is actually with Kyle and he ended up kind of locking up his brakes on the start and, and took me out, which was been unfortunate with how the things ended at the end of the season. But uh, in that photo, there's actually a photo of me like crashing the wall and there's a little advertisement that just bam. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but the, the bounce back, uh, I don't think it was really in our heads too much. Uh, but I mean, we did the next couple of races and, and we were just consistently there. So it was kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't until like halfway through the season that I knew that, okay, there is a very big chance here and that we should really, you know, focus up and 
kind of ended up becoming more a little bit more on the stressful side, but still uh, more towards you know having fun and enjoyment because that is the most important thing. Yeah, certainly, and you seem to have a good time with your your team this year, HMD Motorsports, and of course at the the offshoot branch as well with um, Global Racing Group, and you had quite a lot of uh, teammates as well, some very strong ones, um, especially in the form of uh, Linus Lundqvist, for example, who who was very much in the championship hunt early on, and obviously won the Formula Regional Americas Championship last year. So, how was your dynamic with the the team and with the other drivers at the stable this year? Teammates, uh, so I come from 2019 where uh, there was a period in time, I think also just before throughout the whole Road to Indy series, I never really had a teammate to, to work off of. And I think this year was the biggest kind of show in what teammates can do and how much more you can gain from very few sessions that we have during a race weekend. And I mean, I think it has been huge just for me and for each other. I think it also helps each other just so we can look at each other's data, but also, I think there's also a little bit of a competition, you know, on who can be the number one in the team. And I think that all in all, just all around helps all of us all together. And by the end, we all have different setups. And by the end, we kind of work with each other to find the, the absolute best for qualifying. And then we all go on that same setup. And that's how we get these results. Like Portland, for example, I mean, that was a huge team effort. And without having all those teammates there, I don't think we would be as far up as we were. Um, and looking through Linus's data and Ben's data, all our brake shapes and our driving styles were very similar to each other. So that was also just a big bonus on top of it. Yeah, certainly. And and you really need all that sort of uh, combined uh, performance between a lot of you when you are up against uh, an absolute powerhouse in the form of Andretti. Um, how difficult did you find so like going up against uh, Andretti, a team with you know a huge amount of reputation and a huge amount of uh, pedigree at this level, at IndyCar level, uh, you know other championship level as well, and possibly even in form Formula One level in the future, um, for all we know, but. Just generally, how was it to 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 go, you know, to face off against um, an outfit like that? If anything, having you know going against a big name like that, I think it motivated everybody in the team that we really wanted to to prove ourselves and show our worth. And us going against them just enhanced that by tenfold. And I think everybody was always on their A game every session, every practice, every quality to make sure that everybody would work as hard as possible to get the car as best as it was. And I do think for most of, of the, the races, I think we had the upper hand on Andretti. And I'm just, I'm so happy just because I know everybody at HMD works their butt off and they, they want to make sure that we do get a win and we got a lot more than just one. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it feels very good. And it was, if anything, having an Andretti was just a big motivation for everybody. Yeah, certainly. Um, it, I, I found it pretty astounding, really, that, um, you know, an outfit with, with very little in terms of IndyCar pedigree was able to, to really take it to, to the likes of Andretti. We've only seen that from from other IndyCar-affiliated teams as such, really, in, in recent history. Um, there are a couple of weekends that sort of stick out for me um, that I, I, I thought um, certainly worth bringing up again. Um, tell me a bit about Detroit and the squirrel incident that I heard so much about. I like how you bring up the squirrel incident, not the other incident. <laughs> um, yes, the squirrel. Yeah, so, um, you know, the funny thing is, so uh, I have, uh, we kind of record our own videos of the events, and I 
that morning we we had a recording when I showed up to the track and it was actually in the same corner and I was like you know let's hope that I don't hit any animals today or any squirrels I said that in the recording that morning and later on I ended up hitting a squirrel at, after that day but it was uh I you know I saw the squirrel it's pretty crazy how while I'm still racing and have all this action going on I was still able to just think about the squirrel and how everything felt slow motion to me but I knew that it, it, he wasn't moving and he, I had to hit him and uh going on to the front straight I gave a, a little bit of a prayer for him uh just as like a because I felt pretty bad for him but yeah it was uh definitely an, an emotional ride for me <laughs> at yeah, least for I that one I, I can imagine it it's not the sort of thing that you tend to hear about too often um or even even small animals can have a have an effect on a car um i remember in formula one anthony davidson ran over a groundhog and it took him out of a, a podium contention uh in one race and obviously in australia you have um incidents with uh, kangaroos and so forth at barfest um the other race weekend i really want to bring up was gateway because um you absolutely monstered that weekend uh i think say you know to say the least um so how were you able to to really come along and, and do that uh tell me a little bit about oval driving as a whole for you i mean personally going in if you were going to tell me that we were going to sweep a weekend in this season i think i would have put gateway like in the absolute bottom i would not have expected us to sweep it just because of the bad experiences i've had with ovals in the past and it's kind of like a little battle with them for me. Uh, just back in 2019, you know, we had that big Freedom 100 crash. And even after that, the I mean, in Gateway in 2019, it wasn't too bad. But previous years in Pro Mazda or Indy Pro now and USF, it was kind of 50-50. Uh, I've never really succeeded well on ovals. But I think officially now that little battle I've had with them is is over after that, that uh, performance. And... I mean, personally, for, for ovals, I think it's more car than it is driver. I think there's a lot more that goes into the setup uh, and that can push the driver and give him the confidence to continue to stay flat on those corners. And I think HMD provided me with the absolute beast of a car. I mean, even when Kyle got in front on the second day, I think they did a Hail Mary for qualifying to try to keep up with us. And I mean, going into race two, I just knew that we had the better car and being behind him after those first 10 laps, I was like, okay this is we have this this is this is going to be in the book so then i just spent those laps to try to to set up that pass and uh it ended up being an amazing pass uh it wasn't as easy as i was expecting so but it was a uh, really fun from my end as well yeah yeah certainly i can imagine um and so like a you know at that point of the season you were firmly in in the championship punt with kyle um but as we know ultimately it didn't quite work out for you as you would have hoped um, coming very, very close. And I don't think anyone coming into the season, um, especially from, from the outside, like myself, uh, all the way over in, in drizzly London, um, really sort of uh, expected uh, Kyle to be given such a hard time as such. But just how do you reflect on that now? Um, you've already spoken a little bit about being very proud, um, but you've, you have had a little bit of time to, to digest it all. So really, what are your emotions at the end of the season? Yeah, so last couple of races, I mean, Portland, we were very quick, but I think that was kind of the, the one race that really, I think, threw it all, not all away, but it kind of, he, he 
did well there to, to still stay with us. And on that second race, it was really unfortunate. Uh, so that's kind of, I think, what, what made us really lose it. Um, Laguna, I mean, I, we if we knew what, what, what was going on there, then it, that gap wouldn't have been as large as it was. I, I couldn't believe nobody understood how it was happening because it wasn't just their team. It was just him, it, just even seconds quicker than his teammates. So not too sure how that, that was possible. And in Ohio, in the drive, we knew he was going to be quick. You know, like he says, he says it's like his home track when it's not really. It's just he's done so many laps there. But in the rain, we were really good. So I was happy to – I actually, like Kyle, I haven't done a lot of rain racing in the Road to Indy Series. So I was really happy to end off the season knowing that we are quick in the rain. <laughs> so that I was also really happy with. But, I mean, all in all, like you said, many other people have also – told or tweeted or said on socials that they weren't really expecting Kyle specifically to have much of a competition or even just from me. And I think having Kyle in this season and me competing with him, I think has helped my name also kind of bolster out there and people being like, wow, I mean, he's, you know, giving Kyle a run for his money. So I think from, from Kyle, I think it's benefited the, the competition between us. I think it's benefited both of us and the racing that we've had. I think I don't think I could have done it with anybody else on that circuit. Like that pass on St. Louis, I mean, we both gave each other respect in the room to have that great that great pass and that great race as well. So, yeah, all in all, I'm just very happy. Yeah, certainly. So hopefully uh, we'll see that rivalry continue uh, up in IndyCar. Um, but obviously we're, we're waiting for announcements from uh, from both of you on, on what happens there. But of course, we've had uh, some very good rivalries come out of the road to Indy that have gone on to continue in IndyCar in recent years. Just look at um, obviously Pato and Colton uh, for, for a very good example, an Indy Lights champion and runner up. Um so you have sort of uh, mentioned a little bit already, but for me, you were very much the Road to Indies surprise package um, this year. Uh, you've already said that other people have said likewise. Do you think that that's a fair assessment or do you think that other people perhaps should have had a little bit more uh, faith and confidence in you coming into this year? No, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I, from an outside perspective, uh, not knowing what, what's going on internally, coming from my results in 2019, I would make the same assumption uh, going into the season. I wouldn't have expected, you know, for me to, to be where I am. Um, so I'm just happy that I have the team that I have and the way everything has gone has gone to help me in the better in every sort of direction and sector, all to just give the performance that I did this season. So it's for me to show my worth. It took a, a lot of effort from people from the outside that I, I couldn't have asked for anything more from. So all in all, yeah, I'm just very, very happy from everything. I mean, this has just been one to remember for sure. Yeah, certainly. And uh, uh, certainly the, one of the best ways possible, I think, to, to close out a, a career in the road to Indy. Um, so Let's start to look ahead to 2022. I know you can't tell me um, too much at all, but realistically, what's on the table at this point? Are you looking at a, a partial season, a full season? Any teams that you can, you know, reveal that you've got some interest in? Okay, so I think all I can say right now, it is full season. But other than that, no comment. <laughs> but ask me, ask me these questions in like three weeks, four weeks time then 
you'll know. Yeah. And then I'll be able to, to, but I mean, by that time, I think you'll be, <laughs> everybody will know, so. Yeah, quite possibly. It does seem like the, the IndyCar silly season is just dragging out and out and out um, with announcements supposedly set to be happening, um, but they just haven't quite happened yet. I guess everyone's just waiting for the for the correct time slot to, to announce these things, but it, it does sound very positive for you uh, going into next year, which, which will be good. Um, hopefully... We'll, we'll have the same for, for Kyle and um, it does sound like there might be a couple of other rookies on, on the grid next year as well in what will be a very, very busy uh, grid, uh, it does seem. So obviously you can't say, yeah, I'm expecting this particular thing to happen in, in IndyCar next year, but should you do arrive there, have you got any sort of targets that you want to... To, to have in a rookie year or is it just a um very much a learning experience or just have a bit of fun i mean goal wise i think it's just learn as much as i can and at the same time try my absolute hardest and know that i try my absolute hardest and whatever the result is that's that what's that's what sends up and in the end i'm just gonna have an absolute blast because i yeah it's gonna be a i mean yeah I, I don't want to say anything else, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's about it. Yeah, certainly. So let's take it away from, from 2022 plans. I'm glad you're, you'll, you'll be, you'll be very glad to hear and we'll sort of um, wind it down a little bit now. Um, we're approaching winter. Um, like I say, it's very cold and drizzly here in London. So uh, have you got any plans for, for the, for the off season? Oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe, I, all in all, definitely simulator work. Uh, nothing crazy though. I uh, I just do some little simulator here and there. Most of the time, it's just more for fun, just to hang out with my friends and do endurance races. But uh, other than that, it's just uh, work and working out and getting ready for the next season. And just I guess taking enjoying this time off before the the next busy year, and spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, it always seem it is you know quite striking how how often um I, I speak to a driver and their plans for for the off season and a lot of them do bring up simulator work home simulator stuff um i have my own one not that i'm ever you know very good at all um but uh i, I guess that's just worry, kind of, i'm not good i'm not good either <laughs> <laughs> i i've caused people to barrel roll over the top of me uh, in various races <laughs> in the past so uh <laughs> I, i'm sure you're a lot better than that but um do you think that's a sort of like a good off-season activity to do um does it sort of make for a good substitute for for something like karting for example when the when the months are a bit harsher yeah, I mean, it's realistically, I think, the only thing that you can do, um, just because in that off season, it's also, I mean, money's also a big problem. And having a simulator work, there's no money involved except the initial buy. So I think it is the only but also the best thing just to do to kind of keep with you. And even, you know, let's say the simulator, it doesn't relate to real life. I think if you even when you go on the simulator during a racing season, I think just keeping that same simulator work that you do in the off season, even though it's not related to how real life works, if you match the simulator work from off, off season to on season, I think it's also kind of more like a mental thing where just to keep the muscle memory and everything going where your brains, when next time it gets into the car, when the season starts back up, 
it just it's more ready to go and just when you go back in the car it's not going to take you as long to get warmed up again yeah certainly it's always important to to keep these things uh, very fresh just a, a couple more kind of off-topic ones for me um i've heard you've got some lithuanian roots which i find quite interesting because lithuania hasn't exactly got uh you know glittering motorsport history if you will so um is, is that something you really sort of embrace is it the sort of thing that you've um been able have you had a chance to to go to lithuania for example yeah well i've gone last time i've gone to lithuania was i mean many years back when i was still very young and not having a you know a clue what's going on and still just kind of picking my nose walking around like wow life um but, but recently no i think racing is it's kind of taken up most of my time but i do embrace it um i, I mean my 100 percent lithuanian both my, my mom and my dad and my whole family and background we're all very culturized on that point i think i am the least out of everybody mainly just because i i'm very busy never really had the time to go there and come back and uh, so it's mainly just I'm kind of representing it and uh, my family and everybody kind of come out to to really support me for it. But yes, I, I definitely culturize myself as being a Lithuanian very much. That's really cool. I, I always sort of always appreciate sort of like different racing flags and, and so forth popping up in in various places. Uh, I just like flags. It's a very boring thing to <laughs> like, but uh... it feels good, you know, because Lithuania, yeah. it's, it's a small country. Uh, and you know, there's not many people I, I, in the racing community, as in like a sport, at such high levels. Uh, just because you know, it's it's gone through some rough times in the past. Not their fault though, you know. But uh, yeah, so I, I, it does feel good to to represent and and show what you know, kind of representing the country. It feel it feels great. Yeah, certainly. Um, it's a question I ask quite a lot of drivers. Have you got a, a racing hero that you like to to emulate? Someone that you've really sort of, um, you know, based like your, your driving style around or something like that? Or you do do you try to carve your out carve out your own legacy? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a basic one, but I mean, Michael Schumacher. I, it's mm. anytime I watched him, it, that's I remember just. He would be like one of the people that, I, like when I was a kid, I would watch them on TV and then I'd go on my scooter or something in, inside the house and I'd create my own little course and I'd pretend I'm racing with them and like be my own announcer and just be like, oh, when he goes down the inside and, and turn three, which is just the dining rooms. <laughs> so, and, and Michael Schumacher was, you know, my, my big inspiration, you know, just seeing him going through the swimming pool and changing the bias mid corner and just stuff like that. I mean, I, it just blew my mind. So he's kind of the one that really uh, inspired me and motivated me to to work hard to kind of carve out a legacy like he did. Yeah, certainly. And uh, I personally found the the Netflix documentary very, very uh, interesting to say that at least I can't find the right word at the moment. It's, like I said, it's been a long week. Um, final one <laughs> really for me, well, penultimate one, um, you've already spoken a little bit about training and uh, a little bit of sim driving as well. But how do you how do you like to sp take you know spend your spare time? Is there something sort of quirky that you like to do? No, I'm just very uh, basic, I'm a very lazy person. I love to just sit back, relax, watch movies, play video games. I mean that I, I just really enjoy that. So. And it just, I like a good relaxing day, a little bit of rain out, get the sweatpants, sweater on, 
get like hot coffee or uh, or maybe chocolate, hot chocolate and just have the night off. So um, I'm yeah, I'm not really a big uh, outdoor and go biking or something crazy, which I do love at the time. But I think I'll need a couple like three coffees before I I can feel that energy. <laughs> Oh Christ! When you when you get to my age, you're gonna need free coffees just to do anything in the morning. Um, <laughs> yeah. But ready, <laughs> ready, sort of like the the last one from me. Um, just how do you reflect on your time in the road to Indy? You've been on the ladder now for for a handful of years. You, um, you, you know, you've grown up uh, being on that ladder and around some some brilliant people. So uh, just close off the podcast really by by talking about what your your memories are of your time on on that ladder i mean what an amazing series just to say the least i, I go into it um you know feeling shy I, I guess would be the a good word and just feeling a little bit left out coming from europe into just a whole new realm uh, of people and racers and not really knowing much the only thing being that it's you know still in the u.s and uh, throughout the years, I've, I've grown as a driver, but also I've grown a community of new friends and people from the series. And by the end, you know, with with Indie Lights, it's made it so enjoyable that when I come to the track, you know, everybody. Well, I wouldn't say everybody, but, you know, a good majority of people know me and I know them. And it it just ends up becoming a great time no matter what happens. And. I just wouldn't want to spend the, the day without any other uh, kind of racing community. And it was just a, a good friendship, a good group. And no matter my result, if I was last first, uh, you know, I'd always just have a good time no matter where I went. And I could just walk up and down the paddock. And I think um, I've been waiting for that for, for many years, trying many different series. And I ended up coming to the right one and officially finding it a few years back, not knowing it back then. And now I do, and I'm going to be sad to leave that series because there's many good people. However, I will always go back to them and always say hello because the Road to Indy series, everybody in there do a fantastic job, and I love every one of them. That's brilliant. Thank you for being on, um, and hopefully see you in IndyCar next year. Um, and very, very good luck if you do end up there. It does sound pretty, pretty good at this point. So, yep, thanks for being on. Thank you.